0: Is Slashers your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media? My name is Jake and with me as always is my esteemed colleague, co-host, and cohort, Doug. Doug, say hello to the mutant goons. From beyond.
1: Hello, all you mutant goons out there! I hope you're all doing good from this crazy, crazy time right now. Hopefully, the Tylenol, bourbon, and biking are treating you good, and I'll make sure <laughs> it's going good because I'll I'll read the posts in the uh, section on Instagram. So
0: we call that the Cantankerous Cocktail in our household, where basically if you can stay upright, you're gonna be swinging. So, Doug, uh, this is a weird situation. While we're recording, we might actually find out the fate of the next four years, which is fascinating. This will be a great time capsule to look back on when we're bartering our buttholes and gasoline to uh, make a living in the apocalypse.
1: Oh, exactly. I've already got my Mad Max uh, leather daddy thong and all that yeah. ready to go. And uh, yeah, if we stop in between, uh, this is because we're recording it on the night they may call the election. So pretty exciting
0: <laughs> stuff. So honestly, you mentioning the thong, which makes me so happy. I am ready for the apocalypse. The
1: only downside, I think, have you ever seen the movie, The Book of Eli? I have no, I've seen bits and pieces when it was on TV it was like a break room type thing it's like oh book, book of Eli's on it's <laughs> good I really like
0: that movie a lot of people talk shit but in it he gets his iPod charged and that's just so sad to me that people will have to go to such great lengths to listen to our stupid show in the apocalypse so I'm trying to develop a solar panel technology that you could put on your phone so you'll always have slashers even when you're bartering your butthole for water
1: mm. well for all you extra patreon viewers uh we'll- <laughs> Say <laughs> donate some more, and we'll try to make a a cassette compilation of the best of slashers. So, so here's
0: a fun thing: we had talked about you last year doing a one episode bonus for anybody who wanted to do a hundred dollar donation. And what that would be? I have a tape recorder with a tape. You would win by that tape recorder and that tape with one episode of slashers that nobody else had. Kind of doing what Wu Tang did. And if somebody wanted to digitize that and put it out, we'd be fine with it. But I just thought that'd be kind of cool. And I know that horror fans are so into knickknack kind of things. Uh, So if you're into that idea, let us know. SlashersPod at gmail.com and basically every fucking social media app you ever heard and some you haven't at SlashersPod. So, Doug, have you had a great week so far? It's just been trepidation and weirdness. But have you have you watched any gory goodness to it past the time?
1: I have. Yeah, I've watched a few things here. Compliments of B movie TV, but then I've also watched uh I'm not sure if you've seen it, viewers, or or or, or you. Cruising. I just recently rewatched <laughs> Cruising on the Arrow Blu-ray. And uh yeah, that that's something I gotta talk about too later on. That's uh that has Al Pacino in there. And it was directed from the same director of The Exorcist. So if you've if you like Leather Daddy type stuff, this is the movie for you. So
0: William Friedkin and one of the sexiest posters I have ever seen. Have you seen this poster?
1: I've only seen the poster with like his face on there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Let's see what's sexy about that one. It's just like it's
0: minimalist in this awesome way. So it's it says cruising at the top with a switchblade and then it's a bunch of black space. It's all jagged. And then you see a profile of Pacino in black and white. Damn, that is, you know, there there are times where minimalism is there because people can't do. And there's time that minimalism is there because of style. Wow! I love this I might be having to steal this movie where did you find it?
1: oh well um, I have it on Aero Video and uh, the first time I seen it was uh, last year at the New Art Cinema at, at midnight and oh, if you go dressed God. as a uh, in fact I think I have a picture on my Instagram you go dressed as a leather daddy you get to be part of the photo ops there and, yes. and, they, st- and they staged a um, basically when the movie played they tried to repeat what happened back in like 1981 when this was released they staged a protest for the film oh so, nice yeah it's like this movie as immoral because it's pretty graphic and it's very uh it's very explicit too so you know just check
0: it out <laughs> so what are the themes what are we talking about here is pacino a dirty dirty man
1: uh, well he is an undercover cop and uh, there's a bunch of murders in like the really seedy parts of new york um in all these like uh, underground gay night bars and uh, each one has its own theme like w- like one's police night another one is uh, sailors night and they all go in but it's like it's like the the full gimp outfits the whips and the crisco and yeah so basically al pacino has to go undercover and act like he's part of this this underground uh, gay bar scene and he has to wear a certain handkerchief because he's like oh I just gotta blend in with the crowd here and he gets a yellow handkerchief and then everyone at the bar comes up to him and they're like take the fucking handkerchief out of your pocket if you don't want to participate it's like oh I got a golden shower uh, he's like oh I didn't know that I thought this was just uh, you know me just fitting in he's like no that the golden shower is a yellow one if you like giving head it's a red one if you like receiving head it's a blue one so it's it's awesome it's, it's great it's really explicit it's sleazy it's perverted
0: so it's your your hell's angels wing system basically right where you know White wings. Uh, I will tell you this, Doug. Uh, if you look at my history of exes, I might have inadvertently earned my orange wings. If you want to Google what that means, Ugh. so is is your movie is like cruising? This isn't your full topic. We're just kind of chatting. Is it homophobic or is it like kind of empowering? Because that's one of the things. that It sounds like it might be overly progressive and kind of regressive at the same time.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit of both. This movie came out like right when the AIDS epidemic, you know, was starting to get big. So it's not. The, I know William. Friedkin uh I think he did a lot of research before he shot this thing and uh at the time you know what I mean like this is the Reagan era so it's like oh yeah everything's got to be christian conservative and yeah. and th- this this underground uh you know BDSM scene is uh, forbidden so it, it kind of paints two portraits there it it is you get you get the characters in the life of this underground scene like this underground leather bar people are getting killed off uh, so it feels almost like a maniac like exploitation type scene yeah. when the killer is hunting all these people um but then it Turns into like this really gritty uh drama. And it it was it was so it was very different. So if you have the chance, check it out. I know it's you can rent it on Voodoo and Google Play. Um, and sometimes you know when new art opens back up again, I'm sure they'll have the cruising midnight screening because you definitely want to see it on the big screen with a very sweaty, sleazy crowd. That's the best way to see this movie. That sounds awesome,
0: yeah. And so it, it does a pretty good job, it sounds like of delineating this. Isn't just a gay scene, this is a subset of a gay scene where it's like SM and it's not like trying to paint with the broad brush and and be very stereotypical, if you will.
1: Yeah, no, it's great. So like I said, if you uh, unless you're uncomfortable seeing like scenes with, uh, you know, Crisco up the ass and stuff like that. Let's then uh, So I'm actually it, it,
0: uncomfortable it, it, when there's scenes without Crisco in the ass. I don't know if about you, but like I watch a movie and I don't see anybody lubing up their butt cheeks for no re- I mean, that just takes me out of the realism. Yeah,
1: or, or that's like watching porn. It's like, oh, they, they don't just stick it and You got to put lube in there or something. Seriously. You know what I mean? so.
0: Fuck, man. Like I, I used to joke. I used to say raw dog on the show a lot. And then I just, you know, it's insincere because I am not that guy. I am a preparer you know not going to get into graphic detail, but I am not going to chafe anybody. I always think of, when I think of raw, actual raw sex, I always think of Wicked Ewok. Have you ever seen the meme where it says I'm going in raw? Yeah,
1: yeah. so it definitely feels like that. And it's painful too. I always get like these vivid imaginations that would be like, uh-oh, my, my cock skin just ripped off. Yeah, and so
0: <laughs> Cruising actually has Paul Servino, who's Mira Sovina's dad. She was on in Mimic in an episode of Slashers with the worst audio ever, and my wife, who I hope doesn't hear that I talked about our sex life on this show. Bada bing. It all comes around full circle.
1: Oh, good deal. And speaking of maniac on there, um, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but the guy who plays maniac, uh, Joe Spinell, he's in cruising. So oh, weird. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> what a small little world we have, huh? oh yeah tell me about it but uh cruising's not the movie i'm talking about tonight i recently re-watched this today it was my day off from work and uh, i saw it was on amazon prime and i'm like oh wait a minute i have this movie on a very shitty 1998 dvd and uh, that movie happens to be slaughterhouse from Ooh, 1987 there we go yeah and and you want to know what jake I, you're gonna like this too because i didn't know this at the time but when i rewatched it i'm like wait a minute why does this guy who plays buddy why does this guy look so familiar and he's only in uh he's in a few other tv shows but he in one movie that you love. Me, you love. Can you guess what this this main guy's in? Is he the fat guy who gets run over in Blood Diner? That is correct.
0: Yes!
1: Yeah, yeah. So here, if you like the guy that gets run over multiple times in Blood Diner, now you get to see him as a main character that uh, he doesn't speak. He just makes pig he just makes pig noises i
0: love it so for those of you who don't know and haven't actually subjected yourself to the glory that is blood diner if you listen to the intro of the show the new version of it when it goes that's actually from this scene that we're talking about where george uh, i think we called him the blunder taker keeps running this guy over in their van and it is one of my favorite scenes in cinematic history so that is
1: awesome yeah. So see, everything, like you said, comes full circle. So I had no idea when I when I rewatched it because the old DVD I have, it's like full screen mastered from a VHS tape. Whereas the Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray, I think they went back to the 4K, uh, fil- you know, the negative and then restored it. I was like, wow, I've never seen this movie look this good before. And it's on Amazon Prime. So if you guys have Prime, definitely check that out.
0: Absolutely. Because I had seen it on Midnight Pulp and I was going to watch it there. And then I saw that it was on Prime. I was like, well, I mean, if I don't have to watch a commercial, I probably won't. So there are multiple places around and that's one of the great things Doug and I were talking about this before the show like how fucking rad like think about this in when the Spanish flu was happening and you were in quarantine you had a wall to stare at now and we're in quarantine we have access to literally you could start on March 31st day one press play on a horror movie and by today you still if you had done 24 7 of content would not have run out of free content now not even getting into you know your paid subscriptions like netflix shutter blah 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 it's just crazy to me you between Tubi, between crackle between pluto tv voodoo has it youtube even has and youtube they're doing movies that are completely uncensored i seen titties
1: on youtube in a full movie i said to watch some ads love it yeah see that's great and I, I get some people too that that complain they're like oh i don't want to watch a movie with ads i like, and they're like i just watch things on cable I'm Like, it's the same fucking thing cable shows commercials too and if anything the cable commercials are
0: a longer b more sporadic and then this is something i'm really sensitive to and it might just be the fact that i'm a fucking weirdo but when the volume significantly changes it drives me crazy if it's gonna like blare in my ears i get mad especially like i'm a creepy Dad, who has to watch shit alone. So if my family's gonna wake up because of your Puri and a dog ad, I'm gonna get pissed. But Tubi and some of these other ones, like the volume dips so significantly
1: automatically for the commercial. I'm like,
0: this shit's fine. I don't even have to press mute. This is awesome.
1: Oh yeah, and Roku has that built in too with the uh, the ad, you know, minimizer with the volume. So I love
0: it. I've been loving my Roku, dude. Thanks for being on B Movie TV and giving me an excuse to buy one. Because shit, I'd had a Chromecast, I'd had a Fire Stick, and all that. Bl- And I fucking hated dealing with all of them. And then this thing, it's just like, get up and go. I love it.
1: Oh yeah, no same thing. I, Chromecast comes in handy especially if you do stuff on your computer and you want to cast it to the TV. That works great, but um Roku just everything's at your fingertips cuz it's it's agnostic towards all the apps. It's not like it's pushing you towards Amazon or pushing you towards Google. It's 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 all of them combined. Even Apple's on there.
0: Yeah, and the app that you can use on your phone where you can use your phone and use your headphones that way, you can type that way. Dude, that's a game changer because I get so fucking pissy when I have to sit there with my remote going letter by letter. Oh Mm-hmm. 21st century problems. Am I right, Doug?
1: Oh, yeah. See, now you can just talk to Alexis and try to, uh, you know, get her to think. It's like, Alexa, suck my dick. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Actually,
0: I've been fucking with her a lot lately. And so I was like, because uh, I, I renamed mine Computer because I'm a Star Trek geek. And uh, I was like, so, Computer, like, who's winning the election? I'm like, Computer, what do you think of Donald Trump? And I just love hearing her reactions because sometimes she'll just, like, ignore my weird shit and go, a Google search says blah. But the other day, she's like, I I don't think it's appropriate for a bot to weigh in on politics. If you'd like, I can send you to X website, X website, or X. Website. I was like, how fun that some douchebag sat and programmed that because they knew that some capricious dickwad like me was going to sit on my fat fucking ass on my couch
1: and be like, I'm going to pester a robot. <laughs> They've improved them a lot since they first came out now. So you can even ask her too. well, the crazy thing is here, did you read the horror stories about the, uh, and it happened to mine too. My Alexa would go off at like a certain time in the morning and she would laugh Oh, and, and there was, yeah, and it's it's left like, ha, 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 ha. And that's it. I'm like, what the fuck did that come from? I don't think I've ever so. even heard
0: mine laugh, much less at like four in the morning. That's terrifying.
1: Well, it was like a little glitch that was going out. Uh, so, you know, if you got, if you ordered and then it would flash that green light uh-huh. and it would just kind of send issues wrong and uh, she, yes, you would laugh. So out of nowhere, you'd be in the whole house all alone. Then you hear, ha, 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 ha.
0: No, thank you, sir. That sounds fucking mortifying also i'm kind of excited at the idea so i'll admit because we have you know spotify and i can edit the music from spotify when i leave the house and so my wife will still be here and so there are plenty of times where i've like you know done something cute and been like oh here's a song that i love you baby but there's also been times where i've played like fucking annoying ass Danzig at seven in the morning and she's like really i'm like well you know i just have to fuck with you because i'm a gross deviant goon but
1: whatever (laughs) uh well yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could probably just unplug it if she doesn't like it. But I guess that's with any uh, clock alarm or anything like that. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: So your movie Slaughterhouse
0: was written and directed, apparently, by Rick Rosler. And this is the only damn movie he ever did. Is that a travesty to you? Or do you think that, yeah, the one and done is good?
1: Well, here's the thing. I had some some theories about it, and then I did watch some behind-the-scenes stuff on here. So the, the crazy thing is when you watch Slaughterhouse, the first thing that comes up before the title, it says Slaughterhouse Productions Releasing presents Slaughterhouse. So <laughs> I feel like I feel like the director kind of started, like, he wanted to make this company, and this was his first thing, and it probably didn't take off, so Slaughterhouse Productions never really uh, went anywhere besides making Slaughterhouse. So probably, like, this was his pipe
0: dream. You know, he didn't make anything beyond it. He, it was that very vessel to make this message and be done I'll admit we were talking before I've never seen this movie reason being I remember being a kid and vividly thinking when I saw the poster for Slaughterhouse that it was a rip off of the poster of Madman from 1981 both of them involve a guy holding a, a one's an axe one's a cleaver it's like a, an angular door that's silhouetting them and they have red font and I had seen Madman and so I was like oh well I'm not gonna waste my time with Slaughterhouse so tell me some shit about Slaughterhouse and why I should waste my time on your movie.
1: Oh, definitely. Okay, well, definitely some time to waste with this one. Because here's the thing. Like I said, the old DVD I have, I wouldn't recommend watching it on the old DVD because it looks like a tape and it might take you out of the movie. Watch that restoration that's on Amazon Prime or buy the Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray because it looks amazing. It, like I said, this is like almost like the first time for me watching it. So it starts off almost like a. If you've seen the original Faces of Death, it starts out like the whole slaughterhouse scene. Yeah. So Jake, I know you're. I know you're vegan, so you probably don't want to see you know <laughs> pigs being scraped and burned and thrown into a meat processor but uh, yeah that's how it starts out so if you're familiar with the original faces of death like the whole slaughterhouse uh, segment it's pretty much that over the opening credits that play some really weird it's almost like swing time music oh, and interesting. I just sound like yeah and the thing is it with the to, the titles kind of come up and it feels like you're watching like a Tarantino type film All right. so um, kind of grindhousey yeah yeah but this was you know at the actual grindhouse which yeah. is great and uh, so like I said, the main guy in this one here. The, the film basically starts out showing the you know the process of the slaughterhouse, and then a few years later they go under and the slaughterhouse is uh closed down. But the owner is he, there here's the funny thing: the owner is Les and his last name's Bacon, and then Buddy, uh the big fat guy on the cover, the killer, yeah. uh, his name's Buddy Bacon. Like that's their names. You gotta love and, it. And yeah, so sounds they, like they, a
0: really they, shitty pro wrestling
1: duo from the 80s, right? The Bacon brothers, we got less and buddy. Yeah, yeah, Buddy Le- buddy, Bacon and Lester Bacon. And the thing is, if you read like little synopsis for this film, I don't know if this was like what they actually wrote down, but it's just uh, the owner of a slaughterhouse facing foreclosure instructs his morbidly obese and, <laughs> mentally, <laughs> and, and mentally challenged son to go on a killing spree against the people who want to buy his property.
0: I just love the fact that it's morbidly obese and he's also like morbidly a- a- attacking people and murdering them. So that juxtaposition is great because he is, yeah, it's a double entendre. There that I'm not prepared to explain to Some people who don't know what an entendre is But our listeners are smart they get it
1: So does Buddy doesn't speak in this Movie am I right no no Buddy Actually um he makes pig noises So kind of leather facey but uh He does it in such a comical way that it's funny I was just sitting down on the couch watching him like I I was laughing when he was doing his pig noises Because he'd be like sitting down with the pigs And petting them and going And then he'd see a cat (laughs) yeah and he sees a cat And then the pigs start going near the cat and he's like Like Buddy he does that um it's it's not that the typical pig noises it's like the uh the the, the you know all right I, mean? I get you and and this town i don't the, the one thing i was trying to figure out rewatching it again this town is they said this this uh, slaughterhouse was their biggest form of income and, and the biggest job giver to this area in the small you know southern town yet uh, they they foreclose it and they keep trying to go to the less the the guy who's the dad of um buddy and they say we'll give you 55,000 for this whole property <laughs> what, what the fuck even that during that time that's probably very little money so.
0: seriously in california terms that buys you two square feet where you could stand and fuck yourself because that does, that's nothing here it's crazy to think of
1: oh yeah that's probably like a one bedroom studio or something like that no not even that no Jesus what am I thinking but uh, yeah so the thing is they say this slaughterhouse is like the biggest income of jobs for this little town and yet they're closing it down they want to get rid of it and uh, they're putting in like a sausage factory where it's where it's 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 processed meat with the machines and I remember Les has this one uh, quote in the beginning of the movie he's like how dare you try to close down that slaughterhouse and get me off my property. You know what? When I was your age, I was doing this stuff and I cut meat precisely. I made sure it's 30% fat for each slab. And you guys just want to, you guys are hot dogs. He calls them hot dogs. Huh. So like the sheriff, the mayor, he's like, you guys are all just hot dogs. You just throw everything in there and you put more than 30% fat. Reminds and it reminds me of
0: John Wayne Gacy where you used to call people fruit pickers, where it's like, I know that there's some way deeper meaning to what you're saying, but it's also like kind of a hilarious term. So I love that. I might steal calling people hot dogs.
1: Yeah. Well, well, I mean, once you see Less and Buddy, it's kind of like, do you really want these to get meat from these guys here? Like, they don't shower at all. Uh, so, so yeah, this, this sounds like a
0: mixed kind of, and forgive me, because again, completely speculating. It seems to remind me of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and another movie you and I did, Blood Harvest. Is that a fair kind of like, meeting of the minds?
1: Uh, it is, yeah. So it, come to think of it, yeah, if you like the shots, so it's got like the heart, like the villains of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Les Bacon and Buddy are the main characters, and it really focuses on them more than the victims or the stupid teens that show up later on in the movie to gotcha. hang out and party at the abandoned slaughterhouse. Awesome. Um, yeah, but it, it focuses on them, so it's almost like Texas Chainsaw 2, uh, you know, the third half of the movie where it focuses on you know Chop Top and Leatherface, and then it also has the same shots. If you like the cinematography of Blood Harvest with that, you know, really gritty 16 millimeter look to it. Uh, that's how this film has in it too. But the cool thing I will give him kudos to is that it mixes humor. So almost like it's it's not as absurd as Blood Diner, but it has some, I guess, Texas Chainsaw 2 kind of humor, but then it goes into dark places where it's like, man, this these shots are really creepy. This abandoned slaughterhouse is actually a, yeah. a really creepy abandoned slaughterhouse. And it's a, it's a good mix of horror and humor. Like It's like the perfect film from the 80s that mixes all that without becoming too stupid or taking itself too seriously.
0: Yeah, I'm a really big fan when movies do that kind of, they give you the catharsis of something gory and obscene and you you find yourself laughing, but then it'll like linger or it'll add extra like, you know, force to it. So you realize, yeah, this is shitty or, or yeah, these are people. And sure, this is absurdist, but we're still like using terms of humanity here. I don't know if I'm just a masochist in that way, but it sounds like this might have a little bit of that, especially so these guys are down on their luck and then the the madness kind of ensues from there.
1: Yeah. So what happens is some teens break into the slaughterhouse, and then Buddy goes in. And, and and mind, I didn't even mention this yet. But Buddy's weapon of choice is a huge meat cleaver, and it has like fox fur on there with a bone hanging down. Oh, and he wears like this necklace with the pig with a pig's tail because he thinks his his brother was this pig that was slaughtered. So what? it's yeah. Awesome. And on the cover, yeah, it's a big pig's tail necklace that he wears. And it, it gets so crazy later on too because the the like I said, the humor is a big part of this but then the kills are actually really graphic for the time i'm like man this uh this is really there's a scene where he like picks up the mayor spoiler alert by the way there's a scene it. where he, pick, he picks up the mayor and he's hanging up on this hook so last week we talked about dead by daylight so hey he would be a great killer for dead by daylight by the Sounds way he like he it, hands yeah. and i bet you can get the licensing
0: rights for literally nothing
1: Oh yeah, no, it'd be great. His his weapon of choice is cool, but there's a scene where he like grabs the mirror and it just crushes his head completely. Like blood ah. just starts raining down, and so that there's that. There's a scene where a cop gets his hand completely chopped off with the gun still attached to it.
0: Nice.
1: And then there's even a scene that uh, I believe the Tex Chainsaw 3D, if you've seen that one, rips off on some scenes in this one here. Because uh, have you seen Texas Chainsaw 3D? Oh, of
0: course I've seen. Of course, Bubba.
1: The wonderful, uh, what is it? Do your thing, cuz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so in, like in that movie, you remember Leatherface was trying to kill the mayor of something and he shoves him into that. It's like this big meat processor mm-hmm. grinder in the ground. And there's a scene like this in this movie. And I it's, uh, it's the guy that used to own the who was the boss that ran the slaughterhouse. So okay. they get their revenge and shove him into the meat grinder. So it's great. It's it's really graphic for its time too. I was, I was surprised with what it got away with. And so is it graphic
0: and good or just graphic and like kind of silly? Like, I mean, I uh, guess what I, I, that's kind of a uh, loaded question. Like, is it fun? Like when you're watching it or is it just kind of like, a good idea executed poorly. There you go.
1: Oh, no, I thought it was great. Okay. I sat down because I seen it last time I see it was on that old DVD that I had, and then I rewatched it on Amazon, and I was, and I was by myself completely, and I was I was having a good time. Awesome. Just imagine what it's like watching it with friends or, you know, fr- fans or just people who, you know, like be- like 80s exploitation type movies. This movie is great. I was enjoying it. And I was laughing my ass off. I even recorded some of the film and put it on my Instagram. There, there, when he kills the sheriff, he tries to go in disguise, and so he puts the sheriff's clothes on. It's all ripped and bloodied. Yeah. And he puts... He puts sunglasses on and he doesn't know how to steer the car. And he's just <laughs> kinda he just kinda sit in the car making the
0: Oh my god, that sounds amazing. That sounds like a great jab at the Halloween series where you have Michael Myers who's never been outside of a fucking hospital suddenly driving a car perfectly.
1: Yeah, and it's it's weird too because everyone in this town knows each other so they see the cop going by and this girl's like, oh, this cop is my friend so I'm going to speed up and play race with him. So she's racing this cop and then the cop car turns around and she's like, what are you going to do? Pull me over? And then Buddy comes out of the car and she's like, you're not the cop. You're not, you're not officer so and so. And so she goes back in and she could clearly start the car and drive away but she sits there and like cowers down and buddy just grabs a rock and like smashes the front window while she's sitting there like you know it's it's hilarious I, I was laughing my ass off
0: you gotta love when people are devoid of common sense when it comes to horror movies but that's the thing man panic will do crazy things to you so that's why you have to watch as much horror as possible so you're desensitized like nancy reagan said and you can get any kind of crisis you'll do fine bubble now let me ask you a question Dougie boy In 1988, Rick Rosler says, hey, I'm going to do Slaughterhouse 2. There's a script. Never does anything with it. And the most recent news that we had was in 2017. He's like, still trying but doesn't do anything how much money would you pay to have a copy of that script
1: well i mean did it say it was finished there because I, I know like on the special features they said it was a 16 page script oh okay um, so how much money would i pay i'd probably pay 20 bucks there we go it sounds fair yeah because here's the thing with, with with a movie like this i think it's perfectly fine the way it is yeah um it, it ends perfectly i i think more sequels later on honestly you have to get the same guy but i i think that's great because th- this character in there he was so is i don't I don't even know if this guy's still alive <laughs> yeah, well, you're a here. big
0: boy like that you're probably passing
1: away yeah I was gonna say oh he died uh, 2010 Joe so. B. Barton yeah 19 uh he was 54 when he died okay wow Jeez. but um no he, he was great but the thing is like the, the movie the, the it's one of those ones where i guess it does really rip off texas chainsaw one and two because you got the drayton sawyer the, the less bacon it's pretty much like drayton sawyer always yelling at buddy saying look what you did what, what are you <laughs> doing you killed these teens now we gotta cook them what do you do you know what i mean and uh so yeah it takes a lot of that i don't know if i like i said a sequel could work but it would just be completely I, i'm thinking like almost like tales from the too where it's like what the fuck is this all these years later i love it honestly like you
0: and i have talked about this as well like it's it's funny that it happens to be joe b barton's film debut but like blood diner is fucking sacrosanct and there's a certain part of you where you're like god damn it i could just watch another one day after day but then there's something so fucking beautiful about like the ephemeral nature of that movie. it's the one movie you know, like I, I'm really big on that. I guess as a godless heathen, I think that everything is so special when it's fleeting, right? The, the preciousness <laughs> of it. Because I think about people like gold because it's precious and finite. Nothing is more fucking precious than your time. So, like having these things that are these unique, little, beautiful things you can just enjoy and go away from, like that, like bad taste, like so many of these movies where it's just a one-off and it's this own enigma and it's out there and you move on. It's great. So I'm really a part of me is more eager to watch this knowing that there isn't that sequel
1: yeah exactly and uh, i'll i'll try to get jackie kong on the show too i just talked to her the other day as well so maybe we can get her on the show i Um, would love
0: that because i am obsessed with her
1: okay cool well i'll keep that in mind in fact uh yeah next time i talk to her i'll uh try to get her on here we could probably share the phone and stuff like that
0: oh hell yes i like that very much you realize, of course, I'll have to harass her about all the projects that you guys have been talking about and working on, and then I'll probably make a fool of myself, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, well, the thing with Jackie, too, we um, she's working on something new. I'm under non-disclosure, so I can't really say anything, mm-hmm. sadly.
0: That's what I mean. That's why I'll look like an asshole, because I'll sit there going, uh-huh, and then and you're going to be like, I can't. I'm like, uh-huh, but wink, wink, I'll let me turn the microphone off, wink, wink and you'll be like Uh, nah
1: yeah well it's under non-disclosure agreements Do you say something, your head explodes you know yeah seriously that's and that's also
0: a stigma that hangs with you now especially in the industry i mean Mm -hmm. it's so funny how like headlines and stuff and and now there's like fake news in media news but then they people who anticipate the fake news so they shoot 15 fucking endings to the same movie and they can pick one at their leisure man Imagine how complicated Hollywood is that you could like go back to the Marx brothers and be like, hey, uh, night at the opera, we're gonna shoot 50 endings to this. In case Harpo is ever at a bar and let something slip. We'll just pick one of the other 49 endings. Like it's so weird how we've devolved or evolved. I don't know how that works.
1: Well, I mean, it's probably a lot simpler to shoot now. Everyone's got digital cameras. You could you could film great stuff on your galaxy or iPhone now.
0: So truly, every B movie TV appearance I've done, I did it with my phone. And you know, I have have cameras but it's like why not use my phone it's way more intuitive and a lot of my editing i do on my phone too because it's just it's already in camera i might as well do it versus having to transfer on a stick and do this and that i mean it's such an interesting and fun time because digital media like say what you will like i'm i like analog i like vinyl i like tapes and stuff like that there's a certain realness there's a the sound i think is better but i mean you never have to run out of tape you know Could imagine the day you know you're you're shooting nosferatu And Shrek is there and he's doing this crazy weird shit and then you just run out of tape and you just have to like end it versus here it's just like oh no I have 17 quadrillion terabytes on my phone I could keep filming for the next 72 years uninterrupted so please keep being weird
1: yeah and see that's why they could go and film all those endings yeah right so uh,
0: in terms of like not asking to get too far into spoilers but in in the old the, the ancient bygone era of the old slasher's rating system the classic the trashic or the tragic being A good, good movie, a good, bad movie, or a bad, bad movie,
1: where does Slaughterhouse fall? You know what, after rewatching it again and just sitting there by myself enjoying it with no other people around me, I have to say it's a it's a it's a classic. Nice, man. I'd have to. So definitely this this movie needs to be rediscovered again. And and it's pretty easy to do because it's on Amazon Prime. And uh, trust me, you'll have a good time with it. I really I really enjoyed it for music. I think most people may be upset (laughs) during the opening credits because that's all real slaughterhouse footage. So other than that, yeah, pretty good.
0: I'll always remember like this. This might be a little overly personal, but whatever when I first became vegan, we're talking about like 15, maybe even more years ago at this point. And I had, you know, I felt like I was coming out to my grandparents by telling them that and my grandma was like, no, I think that's awesome. I have always thought that if you're going to eat something, you should know how it died. And it was so funny to have her have this very like pragmatic attitude. I have so many friends who are like, I'm going to eat dead shit all the time. And then they're like, okay, well, don't you care how it's be?" No, no, no. Don't tell me. I don't want to see the air gun to the cow's head. It's suspended in the air, bleeding everywhere. That's fun. So, you know, I think that's one of the the weird things where people act like I'm so into gore because of horror. And I'm like, real
1: life is so much scarier. No, thank you. Yeah, so definitely if you uh, weren't vegan before watching this, uh, you might want to be after those opening credits because, yeah, it gets pretty nasty. I'm like, man, this is very mean-spirited. But then at the end of the day, it's it's like, oh, well, there, that's how you get your pack of bacon.
0: Yep. And uh, I don't know if I've told this story on the show. I no longer purchase bacon for my daughter because one time she asked for some. I told her we were out and she called me stupid. So that was really fun from my two year old. So I feel like she has an addiction trying to wean her off cold turkey. But turkey bacon, cold turkey bacon. Boom.
1: Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, bacon's an addiction. You, you, see, you see these kids nowadays that they get, they try one thing and they keep doing it over and over again. So, you know, cut it out at an early age. They won't like it.
0: <laughs> yep. In fact, I think I might try and hypnotize her like those people who try and quit smoking that way and be like, you don't want bacon. When you see bacon, you will react with a phlegmy throat and speaking in tongues. And then that'll make her first date really fun if they go to the right restaurant.
1: Mm, well don't uh, don't tell her to look well how old is your daughter again two and a half so two and, two and a half okay
0: very quick to tell me i'm stupid i'm like oh, i yeah. have a
1: doctoral degree and
0: you still shit your pants sometimes and it still doesn't matter because she owned me
1: yeah that's the terrible
0: twos <laughs> oh dude she, we got so fucking lucky with her it's ridiculous my kid is the fucking coolest she loves you know monsters inc and hotel transylvania and all of my goony dumb shit her favorite person in the world is skeletor so, like, we'll be walking around and she'll yell, don't chase Miss Skeletor. And she runs off and I have to chase her. And I, if, if I don't do the Skeletor voice, she acts like she doesn't know who I am, which makes it way weird that I'm chasing a child. But if I do the Skeletor voice, she acknowledges me and it's. I love watching people's reaction of like, what the fuck is happening? This cherubic child is being chased by this mongoloid covered in tattoos. Who's yelling like Skeletor.
1: Well, see that you got to record that next time. I want to see people's facial reactions where you're chasing her down and saying, come here. Hey, yeah, man. Yeah. Like you bumbling boob.
0: Yeah. And she just, <laughs> I don't know. Like we totally lucked out because I have some friends like Chad's kids. They're beautiful kids, but goddamn, they love that frozen shit. And that's all they want to talk about. I'm like, no, thank you. I will take Alan Oppenheimer all goddamn day before I have to sing that shit. I will not let that go.
1: Oh, yeah, Frozen. Uh, yeah, that's that's after my time here. But, uh, I, you know, just the amount... I, I did happen to catch Frozen 2 on, I think when it was on Netflix. Yeah. Or Disney+. Plus, and I'm just... I, I sat there and I'm just like, this is actually boring. Yeah, like, do kids find this entertaining? It's, it's just a slow musical. So... Into the
0: yeah, that movie is boring as fuck. The first one is okay, but the second one I was like, what is happening like i like they keeps doing this like disembodied and like it just reminds me of like so many what's the song i don't know it reminds me of like some bad song like from the 80s i don't know anyway and so it just keeps doing that two note thing over and over again and it's supposed to be like mystical. And then I find myself wanting to do bad karaoke and distract my daughter because that's way more entertaining.
1: Oh, it was. Yeah, they're mostly just standing around in like diff- three different spots throughout the film until the ending. And then you talk about, oh no, the history of this place is so bad. Like, God damn, if I was a kid, I'd be passing out to this movie. Seriously, what am I supposed to do? Make a fucking diorama
0: of this history lesson? No, thank you. I will say this, that fire lizard thing is the cutest fucking thing in the world, right?
1: Yeah, but it, that's, like their, that's like Disney's tricks they always have to make this new little character that's cute. I mean, somewhat like Baby Yoda and then I know some other newer Disney movies, they have their little sidekick. It's just a oh, yeah. small thing with big eyes. Yeah, I love
0: Pascal from Tangled as well. Little fucking chameleon. I think it's the cutest goddamn thing in the world, you know, but when you're a goon and you're trying to find cutesy shit to wear around your kid, you know, you can't really have your blood diner shirt with the waitress whose head is a skeleton because uh, you'll get the weird looks when you're chasing her yelling like Skeletor, but if you're chasing her and you're wearing cutesy stuff people kind of give you a pass so take what i can get
1: yeah yeah or was it i have seen guys wear that shirt uh they look miserable too they just kind of sit there with their shoulders hunched over and it says this guy loves his wife and it's oh, like the oh yeah <laughs> like
0: oh <laughs> or, or the i love the ones where it's like pointing at the family like princess blah 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 and then it like points to the dad and it's like broke and I'm just like, what? that is that is so like patriarchal, sexist bullshit. Like you can't just be happy with your family like you. Ha- I don't know. I think that those shirts just crack me up every time because I'm just like, you vapid fuck. Like you should celebrate the fact that you have a family who wants to be around you. But I don't know. Maybe I'm sounding overly sentimental, but I actually enjoy my family. It's the weirdest thing.
1: Yeah, I know, and see that uh, well, that's like a sixty-plus boomer joke where it's like yep. marriage bad, family drain me. So, uh, take my wife, please. Who you? Yeah, no, I get that. I get that uh, joke a lot at work. I deal with mostly boomers. It's crazy. And the the biggest joke, literally, I could I could write marks how many times I get this joke. Hi, I'm, c- I'm coming in. Uh, I have some questions. I need help with my dishwasher because it's broken. And uh, I'm like, oh, your dishwasher's broken. Okay, well, let's see if there's you know an order uh, that we could send out for maintenance. Oh no, I'm my wife she's injured oh my god i'm just like oh so it's like oh you know they're like oh i don't need a dishwasher i have my wife so that's like the 99 of the jokes that i have to deal with here
0: i'm gonna gonna tell you something that might you know this gets into my business just as well so i'm taking a deposition the guy who i'm deposing talks about how for a period of time he was acting as a house husband his own attorney mocks him on the record making fun of him for being a house husband and i was like what the actual fuck is happening i thought we were in the future we're supposed to have flying cars and we have regressive dumb shit like this but man it's just a weird time isn't it they
1: made fun of him for being a house husband i mean that's i thought that was like a normal thing now where it's like the women are mostly working the dads are kind of staying home to i thought that was just the percentage was going up more it is Uh, that's the fucking american dream you mean to tell me with a straight fucking face that
0: al bundy wouldn't have been a house husband if you would have let him he would have taken that goddamn no ma'am shirt off thrown it in the trash sat on that couch and ate peggy's bonbons while she was at the foot store or the while she was at the shoe store no questions asked
1: <laughs> yeah see and then he has the nerve to <laughs> make fun of him for that oh well you know what i mean all this at least it's all being exposed now you know what i mean it's like you gotta give an alert to these people's like you know times have changed it's not yep. you know it's not uh this this a boomer society anymore. I don't don't know. Yeah,
0: and the whole like concept of good old days or like blaming people for being overly sensitive, uh, uh, that's for the birds. Fuck that. Like, Because everybody has their own sensitivities, too. So for every person who's like, oh, you can't say anything anymore, I want to be like, all right, I'll find your button because I can talk mad shit. And so if you want to be pestered and you want to be trolled, I can do it. But I'm choosing to be civil. So if you don't want to be and you don't want to act with decorum, I'm going to fuck your day up. I'm going to make you sad. I'm going to make you text your... Cousin, about. <laughs> hey, well, that's that's a good rebuttal
1: and comeback there.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so that actually ties in with my interview that I did today with Pierre Mortel. He's a comic illustrator, a uh, freelance uh, artist, he does some amazing stuff, and uh, I, I don't know that I gave him enough props during the interview, but he has some of my favorite style currently. Does a great job because he's a guy who can do everything. You, I've seen his watercolors, I've seen his photorealistic, I've seen his you know comic strips. Style, and I love it all. In this interview, we talk about you know, his creative process. We talk about how he does the same strip in English and in French because he actually is French. And so just the dynamic that comes out of that, the wordplay. And also we talk about the impact on society and having to kind of plan ahead to be conscientious of others. And I really think this is probably my favorite interview that we've done. Sorry to everybody else who's also been great. So here you go. My interview with Pierre Mortel. All right, this is Slashers, and I'm sitting down with my good friend. Okay, here's where I have to admit that I am a soggy, stupid American. Pierre Mortel, is that how I'd pronounce it? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yes, public
2: schools did not fail me. Eh? <laughs> yeah, you're lucky because mine is probably not the hardest
0: French name to pronounce. Seriously, thank you very much for that. I appreciate it sincerely. I know it was a personal favor from your parents to me, so uh, they anticipated uh-huh. this interview 30 some years ago, I'm sure. Yeah, totally. So you are an illustrator, a comic writer. Uh, can you tell us about like what you do and the content you create? So what I do
2: is like I've been doing writing and comics and stuff like that since I was uh, a kid, basically. Like since I was ten, I think I wanted to be a, a comic book artist. And um, what I do now mostly started like around five years ago. I started trying to really commit to drawing and. Then I had a, like a bad breakup and I created a character that was called Sad Boy to I love it. find like a, a way to I thought actually that most of my sadness wasn't really for something really serious, you know? And yeah. so I thought that I could actually make it more palatable by exaggerating it and making a character that just ridiculously sad. And it's, it grew into a pretty long comic strip. I'm almost at uh, 150 strips now awesome. and just posting it regularly, you know, drawing other stuff, kind of some kind of weird universe grew around it. And so now I'm still posting interesting sad boy comics and also other like gag comic strips a bit of weird um weird cartoon art um of fantasy comics and i try not to spread myself too thin but i always fail at that
0: yeah well because you have two ongoing series right you have the the warhammer stuff with mortal realm and then you also have yeah. your other stuff with sad boy and his ghost pal billy bag is that the name right it's billy boo billy boo damn it i almost used my brain for a second there <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is a plastic bag, though. I love that character so much. Had you seen the movie American Beauty? There's a scene where the kids, like, move to tears watching a video of a plastic bag floating in the wind. And that's the instant association I had upon seeing Billy Boo for the first time.
2: Yeah, yeah, I've seen the movie. And I think, like, sometimes people post the uh, gif of, uh, of, from that movie when, I, when they encounter my trip, you know.
0: I love it. The juxtaposition of those two characters with Sad Boy and Billy is just, I really like that dynamic they have in your strips.
2: Yeah, it's something that I've noticed in um, like a lot of different like earlier projects that I did and stuff like that. that The um, dynamic I come back to uh, when I write comic characters is often to have uh, like one character that's kind of always in, in bad faith and and, the, and he was the like the main voice so yeah. that would be Sad Boy and uh, the other character is like a counterpoint to him and like for instance Billy Boo is like a more wholesome and optimistic and also probably like just overall a better person and he's uh, always butting in softly against Sad Boy's perspective you know he's like more fair and more mature and stuff like that.
0: Yeah and he seems to have his life to Like when sad boy has to cohabitate with him and move in for a bit. It's funny because he completely throws off Billy's routine, which is another juxtaposition. It's not even just happy and sad. It's like also together and kind of in disarray, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I like the idea that Billy Boo that looks like just some, some character that should be floating around actually has like, you know, probably a down payment on his apartment and (laughs) the job and meetings and stuff like that. It just doesn't really mention it because he's not very self-centered, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so I had found your strip through, I mean, it really blew up on Reddit, which was Billy Boo. And uh, you had the witch trying to peddle some evil potion. And God, I laughed so hard at that strip. My daughter is obsessed with Uh, the Prince, uh, what is it? Princess and the Frog. So I have seen this damn parable play out so much. And I just love that comic strip so much. Um, Did it kind of take you by surprise how that blew up?
2: well yeah I didn't expect it to to blow up to blow up that much I mean I've had some streets that didn't like go full viral but had a bit of an impact before and it's always pretty impossible to predict you know and this was my biggest one like it just the numbers kept, kept rising and I, I was like what the fuck is going on <laughs> but you know it's great like at, at this moment I felt like a rock star then I realized that uh, it was just you know internet points but still I had a chance to talk with people who like my stuff and, you know, get noticed a bit more and stuff like that. So it was was great, but it's always very bad for my sleep uh, schedule, you know, especially since I'm not even in the US. Every time I get lots of comments, I just stay up manically trying to respond to
0: everyone. Yeah, that's the truth. So when it comes to the content that you created after, I mean, you've put out some really hilarious comics since the bag one. My personal favorite being the ugly vampire. Is it disappointing to see that those things don't come out or is it almost make all of it a little bit more beautiful in the sense of like, you know, the ephemeral nature of these things? Like it's just like a moment in time is kind of unique in that way. Or or is it hard to kind of keep that positive momentum in creating new content when something that comes after isn't really acknowledged the same way?
2: I think it would be hard if, it was like, you know, if I was younger, because I'm mm-hmm. around um, in my 30s. So I've been like posting stuff on the internet for, for probably 10 years. And at the beginning, I just had a blog, you know, so like barely any visibility at all, you know. Yeah. So so I, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, actually, like because I'm on some um, on Reddit, for instance, on some artist communities. And there's a lot of talk about, you know, people encountering like the disappointment that they are not getting noticed and stuff like that and I think like uh, the people that co- that keep doing art if they don't encounter success immediately it's often so because you kind of have to grapple with the idea am I going to keep doing that even if it's you know I don't get the the praise that I thought I, I'd get and once you accept that yeah I'm probably like I'll be disappointed a bit but I'll, I'll keep doing it anyway and so I, I already accepted that so it's not too hard because I know that I still have a small but faithful following and sometimes i get noticed i get a bit more people coming in and i know it's gonna come down after that and by waves like that you
0: know absolutely you know uh, in creating content I very often delineate things into two sides either people are generally process people or product people and by that I actually got the idea from serial killers but forgive me you know process being you enjoy the act of creating the content product you're happy with the end result um, and I think that you can create a healthy mindset of the product itself without worrying so much about the fan reaction when you're creating your content are you ever sitting there like calculating three steps down the line like how how is this type of you know person going to react to my art or is it just I'm putting out my art if they find it, God bless them. If they don't, I really don't care.
2: I try to keep in mind that I want to do it because I want to do like um, the way I earn a living these days is that I'm a freelance motion designer. Gotcha. So I do, you know, corporate graphics and stuff like that. And so I know that if I get really popular doing something I don't really like it's, it's going to look like the kind of jobs I, I already do and it's Really hard to put a lot of energy and stress into into producing content that you don't really care about, yeah. and so but so so I try to do what I want to do, but I still like in my mind I know like I need to do I always think about having my gags very my streets very clear and very easy to read because it's gonna be on the internet, so you can have you know long speeches or or how to get into a way of writing you know so but I i like i don't do you know like i don't know minecraft jokes and stuff like that or among
0: us is the big one you know oh jesus i can't believe those popping up everywhere now yeah it's crazy well, it also makes your work timeless, right? Because in 10 years, you're going to look at your strips and be like, oh, that's objectively funny because it's not predicated on, you know, like not to talk shit on South Park, but like I can't watch an episode from six years ago because that media no. hasn't been relevant in six years and because it's so derivative, it just, it kind of escapes me. Yeah,
2: yeah exactly. Like at least that, that's kind of what I'm thinking too is that I want, I want people to be able to come back to it a long time after and chill. Uh, you know, you don't have to know what ad was on or- or what some actor said, or whatever, or what video game was popular, you just, I mean... You know, there's a lot of good content, I think, that will still stand the, the test of time around video games, but it just, you have to be kind of sincere, and if you're tackling a subject that's not really your thing, and like, people are going to feel it, I think it's going to come through, and it, there are just already a lot of other people who actually love it doing it, so it's, I don't think it's a winning strategy, you know.
0: And do you like the process of the creation, or are you more, like, contented in your soul when your finished product is there and you get to look at the full panels in, in their final form
2: I think I used to like my main struggle for a long time actually was that I really did not enjoy drawing that much and I developed a quick uh, very like uh, synthetic way of drawing partly because I just wanted to be done you know mm-hmm. I think uh, because uh, as you're drawing it's like a long series of disappointments each line you make is like oh, okay that's not gonna be as good as I thought oh, okay I messed up the foot you know and so I didn't really enjoy it for a long time but no I think I appreciate it more but I would say I'm probably more content oriented compared to some players who just enjoy you know for instance painting for hours adding little touches and stuff like that me I just want to be done yeah
0: I can completely appreciate that and I think that's one of the frustrating elements of creating art is there are so many different art styles now and you know I'm working on a couple projects right now that I'm really passionate about and excited about and minimalist art is has reached this great new kind of area where it can still be sophisticated, but minimal. But, you know, I find mm-hmm. myself so, I get so anxious when I try and draw. Because if I'm drawing minimally, I need people to know like, oh, if I really tried, I could have done really cool shit. I could have made this super cool. But the point yeah. is to be minimal. Is it hard to kind of just let that go and then let your style speak for itself?
2: Mm, I think I have a pretty strong vision of what i want to do and uh, especially with the the comics i really believe that the drawing itself is not the the kind of the point you know it's like the interaction of of the 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 panels and i don't know if you know um uh, scott mccloud who is um, a comic artist who wrote a kind of uh, a big g- graphic novel that's actually a theory of comics like trying to understand what what specific what differentiates comics and art uh, in art what makes it makes comics a specific art yeah and how uh, one of his conclusions is that the main thing that you don't find in other art is the space between the panels. you know you see like a woman screaming and you see the a skyline of a city and you your brain does the link between these two things, you know for instance. yeah, and so I think in, I don't I try to draw well, but I mostly look at the flow between the panels and is the expression clear, is the framing clear? you know all the, all that stuff and uh, so yeah, I don't think. But I still try to do some illustration from time to time, where I'm like, okay, I'll show them. I can draw some perspective. I can do some shading, or whatever.
0: Yeah, that's clear from when you look at your Instagram, because there are plenty of spattering, more sophisticated art. But then, like you said, I think that what's so great about four-panel stuff, it's very clear what's happening and easily delineated. I don't need to have contact. Like it's great that you know Sad Boy and Billy have an ongoing narrative, but throughout their you know roommate shacking up thing. I could read each of those independently and enjoy it. And does that make it easier for you because you're releasing content in English and in French?
1: Yeah, well, I
2: like I don't think I'd, I'd write exactly the same way if I was just doing one one language probably. Yeah. Because that puts more emphasis into uh, like the choice of words and the, even the length of the speech because I want to keep it short and sweet, especially since I'm doing also the lettering by hand, you know? Oh, wow. So yeah, sometimes I'm like, I've written up uh, like a, a rough draft and then when i'm doing it cleanly i'm like okay he doesn't really need to say that sentence okay maybe he doesn't even need to talk at all in this one i and just trying to to keep it really really short
0: and sweet and it speaks for itself in that way have you had any jokes or, or plot points that you wanted to do that you knew wouldn't translate in once so you just basically had to redo the entire piece?
2: I had a couple times where I just found a different joke uh, like for instance if I had a, a, I don't have the specific example in uh, in my mind right now but I know sometimes like I have a pun that works in English that doesn't translate in French and so in French I try to find another joke maybe not even you know at the same point in the strip um actually i have one that i'm kind of stuck on that i found the joke in english and the the whole strip is resting on that joke and i have no idea how how i'm gonna translate it in french because it's it's, actually it's a joke about the it's a gag that features a squirrel uh, that's the hardest word to pronounce in english a squirrel squirrel Squirrel, yeah you're good and uh, and the concept of uh, post-nut clarity. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. and you know, in, in French, there's not really like, I mean, nuts can mean ball through, but there's not that, that specific concept. So I have to find a, another angle that could work.
0: Well, maybe you could be the guy who creates that new, you know, slang terminology for all of France and you get to take the credit for it.
2: Yeah, yeah I could. I mean, I, I don't know if I want to go down in history for that accomplishment. <laughs>
0: but. I could just see the Wikipedia Entry now made nuts in French famous,
2: yeah. And there's in the trivia section, there's also made some comics with a citation needed, yeah, right.
0: And so when you're looking forward at the art that you're going to be creating, is it hard looking forward? You know, we had talked a little bit before we started recording about political correctness. And it seems to me when I read your work, I have never felt, you know, like triggered or affronted or anything. But at the same point, you are provocative. Like there's the one with the um, I'll just say bird sex, you know. And mm-hmm. is it hard to navigate for you, like when it comes to like what is the line of provocative, but also, I mean, thus far from everything I've seen not alienating to anybody not attacking anybody or being you know outright you know personally offensive
2: yeah I'm very careful around that because I've been raised on you know French 70s comics like political comics and stuff like that so that's like very way trashier stuff that we would publish even in French newspaper today and like it was you know the counter culture and stuff like that and um, and also you know all that has happened in France to, to people um drawing caricatures and stuff like that plus all the kind of uh, you know the cancel culture and all that and um, basically the main thing that changed I think is the today if you show doing stuff talking about social issues and stuff like that you don't get context like yeah. people will see your image with uh, maybe even the the caption changed you know someone giving a completely different narrative and stuff like that yeah. so so I'm, I'm pretty careful I did um, do a a sad boy comic strip where there's a cute cat that says like "Hi hitler and gets kicked immediately but yes i think uh, yeah all right I, I just want i think i was like kind of pissed about it. i wanted to find a way to just not be completely silent about some stuff and especially the normalization i think of you know when you have people say yeah but you know you, you gotta let them speak and stuff like that and i'm like if someone's a uh, like it's hard when you're talking in nuance, but there are no nuance in, you know, Nazi. Just, yeah. just, just bad for them. But, uh, other than that, I'm, I'm very careful and, and partly because I'm just like, I'm a lovy kind of guy. So I, I, I'd hate to offend someone involuntarily, you know? Yeah. But that- also I just don't want to get the, the internet mob on my back. So.
0: Yeah. And especially as a content creator who's putting out new things, I mean, your trajectory, I mean, it's good to hear that you know, you're know you taking it all so seriously and, and being considerate. And I think that's going to help where even if you do reach content where it's objectively offensive to someone, they can look at the sum of your parts and, and look at the body of your work and go, okay, well, even if this is a personally offensive, I can see the nature of his character through his work. This is not somebody who is surreptitious or evil or, or malignant. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's Awesome.
2: Yeah, I hope that will speak to me if I uh, speak for me if I if I ever have that kind of issues. Like I think depending on like the 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 guys around around the time you do something, like you can just be out of luck and, you know, really take a hard hit on a misunderstanding. But there's a lot of times where like there are so many people that are kind of in both sides I think that are kind of always um angling for a fight that uh, or or you know, baiting kind of and yes. posting stuff that's just borderline. Like people are just on edge all the time. So uh, I'm trying to say what I have to say without without giving anyone a reason to take it badly, but you know so far it's worked but uh, uh maybe I'll get super famous and people will finally hate me <laughs> right <Crossing my> <laughs>
0: i think we call that the american dream where i come from yeah. really quick i'd be yeah. remiss obviously my the content of our show is always very horror themed and one of the things i gravitate to your art is you know there there are grotesque elements there are violent elements there are horrific elements and, and i i always gravitate to that but you're not you know in any way visceral to a point where i'm having like terrible reactions is it fun to kind of let that grotesqueness be like the punchline of stuff like almost cathartic in a way
2: oh yeah i mean i don't i I haven't seen a lot of horror just because i i think i didn't i think it's mostly around like your friends and family the people you meet you know especially as a teenager that you get into into stuff or not but i i like i like that that um that over the top element you know that exploring that and to me, horror is, it speaks to the, the sense that you kind of have in the back of your mind that even if everything's going great, something really incom- incomprehensibly awful could be happening, you know, could happen to you. And, um, and so I think it's a very strong and very human emotion. And I love, uh, you know, I'm into, uh, you know, Warhammer, for instance. And it led me to discovering a lot of work from old painters, like, uh, Flemish painters, p- painter, or uh, Francisco Goya stuff like that, and you have some really gruesome or really grotesque stuff in there. And I think it's really, really interesting and and it's really interesting to mix it with different uh, a different tone to like have something cute or wholesome, and then something awful.
0: Ta- you know, not to be overly behind the scenes, but then you also get different metadata too. You're getting multiple different crowds kind of gathering to the same watering hole and going, oh, like yeah, I like the the silliness. Oh well i like the horror element and then we kind of yeah. have this new community that didn't exist before
2: yeah i think it's also like i think uh, online we can feel uh, very strongly encouraged to completely specialize you know like i'm the guy who does uh, uh, really cute animals that are just having fun and i don't do anything else you know and yeah, like, also because it's easier you know you're building a brand so like people need to know what they'll find and I think it's harder and it takes longer to build an image that's not just around one thing uh, but it's also worth it because you're harder to replace in a way because if you're doing like some wholesome animals having like midlife crisis but also (laughs) with a good painting you know it's uh, it's really your stuff and like you don't have 10,000 people trying to jump On that bandwagon, you
0: know. Yeah, and, you know, as an artist, keeps things interesting for you. And, you know, it's it's a calling card. It's your business. You know, people can look and see, oh, the versatility. You know, this guy can do, you know, watercolors that looks like, you know, Sladislav Biskinski. But it can also Uh, do things that are very, you know, easily uh, commercially applied, which also, your Mickey Mouse stuff is some of my favorite. Like, if my wife would let me have him with his head exploded on my wall at home, I would absolutely have it. Which one did you say? It's one where he's like, on the ground with like blood coming out of his head I think it's supposed to be Mickey Mouse anyway but it makes me really happy
2: yeah. I, I I don't think I even remember this one I, I just love drawing I think it's like, I love, you know, all the cartoon, uh, cartoon corruptions like that, like you, you, the Garfield stuff. The, okay. uh, a, a lot of people have done awful things to Disney characters too. And I think it just, uh, I love everything about that. And drawing, uh, Mickey Mouse in, Mickey Mouse in a distorted situation is, is really, really fun. Also because it is so easy to, to recognize, you know, with just a couple of.
0: Absolutely. Are you a fan of the subreddit I'm Sorry John, where it's this ongoing narrative where, you know, Garfield is this grotesque, like, Lovecraftian monster and just nonsense and insanity ensues?
2: Yeah, I I love that subreddit and (laughs) um, I've been uh, like, I've been thinking for ages about what I could do. I actually started a project um, a couple of years ago that maybe I did even posted some of it on Instagram because it wasn't really good. But I wanted to do like um, probably just a, like the, the basic idea was to to draw some weird uh, Garfield. I think it just started with a, a drawing of Garfield fucking another Garfield. And I, I wanted to do uh, some weird uh, almost uh, sur- surreal Kamasutra uh <laughs> book of, uh, you know but like it's not like um like furry drawings because i don't give him a sexy body or anything like just garfield showing you but garfield you know yeah. getting plowed by himself and stuff like that and i wanted to call that uh, 50 shades of garf yes i, didn't I love go it. Very far with it but maybe maybe one day i'll get back to it like it's really really fun to do actually
0: if i may offer another name lasagna sutra is also pretty good oh, nice <laughs> all right well you know i really thank you very much for your time i know that everybody has so many things going on and we have i think a huge time difference between us so i'll be sure to include all of your links and everything in the episode description is there anything you'd like to say to the mutant goons from beyond before i let you go
2: yeah like if you if you come around like uh, follow me on instagram or something like that feel free to like if you want me to do some stuff or whatever just say it in the, com- in the comments i'm always reading them so so ask and you never know maybe. Maybe
0: I <laughs> Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much. And uh, I always say goodbye and good die. Same to you. <laughs> and that was an interview I did. boom, boo, boo. Stay tuned because we have something very fun in the works that will help charity and help you look like not a slobby douchebag. Doug, do you think this was a successful episode? I'm kind of riding the
1: crest of a high, and I don't even know who president's going to be yet. Oh, yeah. No, I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, I hope you guys liked it out there. It definitely went along smooth. I felt like we didn't even... What time is it? We started at 9.30? It's 10.30? Damn, that went by fast. So, and you want to know what? We still got time for a hot bath and find out who the president is, and we still got some Bacardi and uh, whatever else you have lined up around the house. Give
0: yourself a good old rub and tug. A little Self-love. My friends, never be ashamed of self-love. Find something you can do to enjoy yourself because goddamn, the world is a finite resource and the time that you have there is fleeting. You know, if you want, watch Doug's movie. If Doug's movie sounds terrible to you, then don't watch it. Doug has done the heavy work, so now you don't have to. But that's one of the things I love about the format of this show is it's more of a book club. It's more experiential. It's more exploratory. Because guess what? I'm going to go watch
1: Slaughterhouse, and I'm really excited about it. So thank you for that, Doug. Oh, yeah, no problem. And if you wanted to just get kind of a taste, like before sitting down watching the movie for an hour and a half, on YouTube, like even on this old DVD, it's got a bunch of features here. But what they did is they made Little promos uh, for the film. Uh, you could, all, I think it's on YouTube too, where you could see Buddy kind of walking around Georgetown University in his getup, and people are just kind of freaking out, seeing like it oh, was this big fat guy oh, with yes. the with a cleaver. And then they do this one. I sent it to you, Jake. It's the one where a Buddy and his dad are sitting in this theater smoking, and uh, they're kind of doing this John Waters type gag where it's like this this theater doesn't allow smoking, so don't smoke. And then Buddy comes in and gets mad and just slices the cigar with his uh, with his axe. It's great. I mean, that's that's the humor of the movie. I, I really wish these two characters uh, were just a little more well-known. Yeah. But you never know. Maybe next year, when the conventions start opening up again, maybe I'll throw on a fat suit or something, or, or just eat some voodoo donuts and uh, go dress as Buddy. See who recognizes it. Oh, I
0: love that very much. Yeah. Um, also, in the news, uh, so by the time people listen, to this is going to be old. But that's one of the perks about being a Patreon patron—is you get it way early. Putin just said that he's going to be resigning in the next year because of health concerns. So, I mean, that's the opposite of horror. So, I think we're setting people out on a high note. I would just like to say, again, a plug for the Patreon. I really am very proud of our fans and our Patreon patrons. It's a great community that's fostered. I really enjoy our chats. It truly gets me through my actual bullshit job work days. And, I just really love the community we've built. I also love you if you're listening to the show and you haven't paid. And I understand money is tight. The world is ending. And also, currency is going to be gasoline soon anyway, like we mentioned. So don't worry about the Patreon. Patreon. What you can do, you could write a review, recommend us to a friend. I mean, the algorithm is crushing. There's a huge dearth of new shows. And God bless them. Satan bless them. Baphomet bless them. I don't really give a fuck. But if there's anything we can do to set ourselves apart, I know that our fans are better than their fans. And I know that our show is better than a lot of those shows. So I want to be able to try to illustrate that. So please find that slasherspot at gmail.com at Slashers Pod, basically everywhere. Please stay tuned because we have some interesting stuff in the works if you're into
1: merchandise. Doug, do you have anything to say to these goons before we let them go for this week? Well, I want to say tap F on your keyboard to pay respects to old Pootie Poo. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, I, I, that's. Uh, I'm just looking at this news now here. Well, so long for Pootie Poo. You know, you probably got a heart attack or something. But um, And if you guys want to still stay entertained, like like I said, during these crazy times, it sounds like we're getting some good news in. But um, get yourself a Roku and, and check out B-Movie TV on there. Me and uh, Jake we do a Friday night show, Friday night action where um, I host it and then Jake kind of substitutes a few episodes so he has two of them on the On Demand channel that you can check out and it's all free on Roku so you want to entertain yourself with a lot of movies that are very similar to Slaughterhouse or or the films that we talk about on, on the Slashers podcast here. A lot of them are playing for free on B-Movie TV and it's all curated so a lot of the movies are hosted so you get a lot of information before and after the film and it's all curated Ken, Ken Ace Brewer, the guy Runs the channel. He he just has so much collection of like these obscure movies that uh, if you've caught on like late night Cinemax or just you passed up at the video store and it's never had a re-release. B Movie TV is the channel to go to, and you could catch me and Jake on on Friday night action.
0: And B Movie TV is a treasure trove for other stuff. They have a wrestling section. They have action section. The show that you do is Friday night action. I just commandeer it and you know slab my horror bullshit on top of it. There's a treasure trove of all sorts of stuff. So you know go to B Movie TV and, and. Find something for whatever mood you're in. Give yourself a rub and tug. Self love. Go to bed happy. Was that what I was up?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. See, and that's with Purvy the clown at midnight. Something. There we go. Right. Rub it. Rub and tug the clown porn.
0: All right, everybody. So for Doug, my name is Jake. Saying goodbye and good die. What is up, all you slutty bum bum boys and girls? It's your boy. Cyber Slash 1000, coming at you with another hidden butt-fucking track. This week's song is Frozen, but do not worry, there are no annoying snowmen or show tunes. This song comes from the German horror-punk band, Midnight Hunt. You see, the Germans make more content than just S&M bondage flicks. You can support these goons on Bandcamp.com or on Instagram at midnight-haunt-band, please enjoy this song and tell your dad's booty hole I say, what's up girl?